It's episode 69, and we talk oral sex with the sex geek Reed Mahalo. We also explain what the heck is House Henge and why the winter holidays are awesome. All this and more on The Westscape! Hi, this is Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Robin Renee. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. And lots going on this week on December 19th. It's National Regifting Day. I wonder why the 19th? How can you regift something if you haven't gotten it yet? Uh, so maybe it's from stuff from last year from, stuff from last year okay so <laughs> if you get a gift on the 19th you know where it came from and on the 20th is ugly christmas sweater day that seems like an appropriate one yeah and it's also I don't like those things <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine i just won't participate <laughs> and um uh, it's underdog day on the 20th too there's no need to fear underdog is here well, yeah, but I think it's it's not just the cartoon. I think it's oh, no. it's celebrating all underdogs. Oh, which, okay, we can all identify with that. Me, so. <laughs> I will celebrate know. the cartoon. <laughs> yeah, and Wally Cox. Right. And let's see. Uh, December twenty first is Winter Solstice and Yule, so we are celebrating that. On the 23rd is Festivus, and Hanukkah begins. And on the 24th, it's Christmas Eve. And that covers this week. Yeah, lots of winter holidays and celebrations. And on the, the 18th today, we've got a lot of birthdays. We've got Brad Pitt, Christine Aguilera, Katie Holmes, Keith Richards, Steven Spielberg and Stone Cold Steve Austin. So <laughs> that's a lot of folks uh, for today's birthdays. Um, the 19th, it is Alyssa Milano and Gibby ASMR, who is uh, another ASMR star on YouTube, which is really kind of a fascinating phenomenon. I really think that's interesting. So they make weird noises. Is that they make the weird whispery vi videos on on themes of various oh, okay. types. And uh, I think GB does some costumes and is like plays different characters and creates these like little scenarios, which is okay. interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a I don't know. It's a it's a genre. <laughs> and on the twentieth, it is Peter Chris's birthday, formerly of Kiss. Uh, on the twenty first, Jane Fonda, Samuel L. Jackson, and Frank Zappa. Um, who passed away in 1993. I've been, I used to go to an annual Frank Zappa's birthday party uh, put on by a friend of mine who now does a big, uh, very, very great Zappa cover at band called Project wow. Object. So, and I would like to get Andre on the show one day. That is a goal. So, is that in Philly? They perform all over the place. Ah. Yeah. Okay. But the, the party used to be in New Brunswick. That's sort of where the, that was sort of the genesis oh. of. 
the band. I, I'm just impressed that anybody wants to even attempt doing Frank Zappa covers. You need you need some serious chops to be able to do that. They're yeah. they're amazingly impressive, and sometimes members of the Mothers of Invention will play with them. Oh, that's them even cooler. So oh, that's it's cool. yeah, they're the real deal, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Uh, the 22nd is the birthday of Megan Trainer. Uh, it's all about the bass. Uh, on the 23rd, <laughs> it's Eddie Vedder and the Naked Cowboy, who was a, and he may still perform in New York City. He would kind of show up in his cowboy boots hat and pair of very small underwear and play guitar <laughs> and things on the streets of of New York City. Um, Usually around uh, Times Square, right? Yeah, yeah. He was at Times Square. Just legal naked. The just legally dressed cowboy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, on the 24th, Christmas Eve, it's the birthday of uh, Ricky Martin and Lemmy from Motorhead. West mm. in peace, Lemmy. So those are the birthdays. Cool. And up next is all the news we can handle. Well, there are apparently more right-wing extremists in New Jersey than we were aware of. And oh boy. there was an article in The Independent this week talking about uh, two individuals who were separately arrested in Sussex County, New Jersey, which is up in the Northwest, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't that where that yeah. is? It's like on the border with Pennsylvania. Ah, mm -hmm. that, that explains I, mean, I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, they don't know each other and they're not, they don't seem to be connected to each other. And one of them was a young guy of 25 who was picked up on an illegal weapons charge after his he posted pictures of his girlfriend wearing some Nazi paraphernalia to he sent this picture to her boss or to her workplace and so she reported him to the police uh, and the other guy who was also picked up on illegal weapons charges was discovered because he was in a car accident and the state police noticed these weapons in his car well, this and is if scary. You, yeah, it is. They're scattered all over the state. I kind of thought they were more concentrated in south, way south Jersey, like island area. Yeah, and down around. there's that. But I mean, there was the guy who had the, the hate music label in. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Mount, no, I, I want to say it's not Mount Holly. Um, well, that's South mean. Jersey. Yeah, South Jersey also, you know, like different area. Right, right. <laughs> and um, there was a good. But in North Jersey, there was the guy who wanted the shop right to make the cake that said happy birthday adolf hitler because he had named his kids like adolf and Himmler that was also and... south jersey that was north i think oh, was it okay versus south it's just jersey <laughs> it's just jersey all right the, and the other the other thing is since the federal government is concentrating more on the issue of Muslim terrorists and terrorists from outside the country, they've been ignoring internal domestic terrorism and leaving it up to the states. And we have like this big intelligence hole now because the states aren't communicating. They don't, they don't, there is no national database anymore that's current. So if there's stuff happening in another state in, or in different states that nobody's sitting there looking to see if there's connections between the incidents, you know, and that anti-Semitic and racist incidents have been on the rise since our current administration took office. So what uh, can we do uh, about that? If you see something, say something. 
Yes, you know, so. and also you get I, I don't know how much influence we have with the with the DOJ at this point or with the FBI, because that's in the executive branch. And I don't think they really care. I think they are encouraging it in some way. But there needs to be a, a refocusing of our priorities on who we're looking at in terms of terrorism. Yeah, that's I- my opinion anyway yeah yeah and i think that you know there are there have been neighborhoods that get like leaflets from right-wing organizations and things like that and i think if there's a public outcry about it and don't just let it slide like oh just ignore them or whatever i think at least if there are people getting radicalized be it by taking the extremes from breitbart or youtube or whatever at least making a visible opposition to that that other that people can also see that this is not acceptable to like the grand majority of us. I think yeah. that, that really helps, you know. By the way, that the the music label I was thinking of is Mice Trap Records and they were in Maple Shade, New Jersey. And I believe they closed down, but I know you never know. <laughs> that was what that was the word a while a while back. Okay. So that is a weird I, I did feel that was weird, like driving on my way to the, you know, the turnpike or just traveling around. Yeah. Could be yeah, Maple Shade people. is for those of you not in the area, Maple Shade is kind of in the Phil, basically in the Philadelphia area. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and Vineland is down towards the Delaware River. You know, down like towards the southern end of the state completely, and Sussex is the northern end of the state. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's <laughs> not New Jersey is not a very big state, but it's got a lot of people, so it feels it's the big. most densely populated state yeah. absolutely so, so i th- i like that idea wendy if you see something say something um, yeah yeah it's weird weird times uh speaking of weird times <laughs> <laughs> the uh judiciary committee report on impeachment has come out and that is basically it, it sets the framework for what impeachment is what it what qualifies to be looked at for impeachment of the president. And um, it's it's like a real sort of background informational document that talks about all these things, because I think one of the arguments has been like, this is completely invalid, bogus, whatever. And this is really lays out why the, it is very much part of the constitution and what that means and why that's happening. And they're having hearings today on the day we're recording this on uh, December 9th. And it may well be that by the time this this recording is heard that there's been a vote on articles about Trump specifically. So we'll see when that happens. Yeah. I also read this morning a piece and I don't remember where now that was talking about letting the Senate vote anonymously because, uh because uh, the right wing extremist people are now starting to threaten Republican senators and de- well, actually, they're starting to threaten senators, all of them, uh, threatening bodily harm or oh. or assassination or whatever um, oh, if they vote bad. to impeach. So somebody was talking about letting them vote anonymously because apparently there are Republican senators who would vote to remove the president if they can do it anonymously because I guess they don't want a target on their back. Right. I've heard about this. And I, I, when I heard it initially, it sounded sort of like a pipe dream. Like, if, <laughs> if only they could vote anonymously, we might get a very different result kind of thing. But that was before I heard stories about there being like actual physical threats. So maybe, yeah. maybe it's a possible thing. I don't know. 
So it looks also that we might actually get the Space Force. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know how I feel about that, but... Um, how can they, they even are, make up a budget for that? They, they've got to figure they're out. making it's 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 from what I read, it's going to be like, you know, like how the Marines are part of the Navy. So the Space Force is going to be part of the Air Force in a uh -huh. similar way. And they're they're going to be tasked with uh, protecting our satellites and with probably planetary surveillance and shit like that. But the thing that kind of makes it seem like it could actually happen is the house uh pushed back on the executive branch um, and they've negotiated a 12-week paid parental leave for all federal employees it, that's like the give it's like that, the trade-off yes kind of yes that that yes we'll give him his space force if we can get this parental leave thing and i think that's huge because right now the federal government, federal employees do have leave, but it's unpaid. So, you know, when you have a kid, it's like you, you can, you can, you are allowed to take 12 weeks off from work, but you're not going to make any money. And it's, you know, when you have a new baby or whatever, and it's just, it's tough. And so yeah. people won't take advantage of it. Uh, and I think it's also will help, it will help incentivize younger people to join the federal government, which is mostly consisting of older people now. So they're, you know, they're all going to be retiring and then there won't be enough bureaucrats, which I guess the president really likes because he wants to completely dismantle the government. But, you know, there's there's stuff that the government does that we actually need. So yeah, I think government is basically <laughs> but, a good idea. That we yeah. Can, uh, keep it in check. Keep it in balance. And so, so. Uh, you know, the 12 week parental leave will definitely be a nice employee benefit for working to work for the government that would, you know, make up for the disadvantages of working for the government, which is generally lower wages than you would get out in the uh, commercial sector, in the private sector, rather. But uh, they do have way better job security. I will say that. I mean, my dad worked for them, for the federal government for 45 years. So, oh, wow. so uh, that's another, you know, evolving thing. Yeah, is the space force isn't going to be you know a bunch of astronauts and star trek and stuff it's oh, it's, it's really it, hard not to picture it that way I know, yeah. it's really you know you wanted the, the up in the air junior birdman song is kind of playing through my head when i hear when i hear talk about a space force and but it's just another military branch that will be concerned with things in low earth orbit and oh. and hopefully you know if they actually would do due diligence about making sure asteroids don't destroy all life on the planet for a thousand years that would be good too it would not be a bad no. endeavor <laughs> and i see finland's government is now led by women is that yes yeah. this is a this is some really nice news i think and i kind of really wish i spoke finnish because i would move there um they have a new government and they have the youngest prime minister now in the world. She's 34. And one of my Finnish friends sent me a picture of her breastfeeding her baby. Nice. <laughs> and it's, you know, the way their government, their parliament works, it's, it's a coalition government. And the five major parties that make up this government are also all led by women. So this is, I think, the first country where females are basically in charge, are, are like the top people in the government. It's all women. And, and I'd like to see how that plays out. 
and yeah. I congratulate them. Yeah. And I wish yeah, I wish we could copy them. Yeah, right. <laughs> go there. Finish the the Finnish language is closest to Hungarian, from what I'm told. Well, I don't know Hungarian either. I mean, mm. Iceland is also another place I wouldn't mind moving to. So, mm. yeah, they're the ones that that all of the women went on strike for a day, and they yeah. and they got equal pay because like the entire country like stopped in its tracks and people nothing got done. And, yeah, uh, that's something we can't do here because we got too many stupid people. I know. And then when the when the banks when the banks were doing that bullshit in two thousand eight, they arrested all their bankers and threw them in jail in Iceland. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, oh. <laughs> they're they're a great great country. I yeah, I hear them. a lot of uh, on the happiness uh, factor. When what, what did they call it? You know, they do a poll, at, at like, or whatever. They take a bunch of um, how many people parameters are happy? to decide like, how happy people are in various countries. And uh, those countries tend to come up pretty close to number yeah. one. All yeah. Of, like, that whole sort of region. So, interesting. Yeah. We have a lot of stuff here, but we've got a lot of a lot of worries and a lot of things that lend itself to not yeah. being really <laughs> feeling well sometimes. So... It's, you know, we could learn a lot for sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's all the news we can handle this week. Yo, what up? This is the poet known as Analysis, and you're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. This is what you need. Don't miss an episode. Sex is awesome, and we talk about why in our December exclusive Patreon segment, Knowing and Being at Ease with Your Sexual Self. Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash leftscape for as little as $1 per month. That's patreon.com slash leftscape. We hope to see you there. back to episode 68 where I was talking about Billy D. Williams and his coming out as uh, gender fluid. And I noticed my own language during what I was talking about. And I just wanted to say that I was aware of it, that I was reading quotes from him talking about him, re- re- see again, referring to himself and herself. And every other time I mentioned Billy D., I used male pronouns and I just noticed that it was a kind of default that we all have where many of us have most of us have and it's very um it takes conscious effort to break out of that so even when I was describing someone who was describing themselves with male and female pronouns I was only using the male ones because that's sort of the default so I just wanted to put forth that I heard that and it's something that we can all stand to practice i think you know um, okay when when it comes to talking to and about people who are um have genders other than a cisgender identity um that said apparently (laughs) 
Billy D, who I suppose I can say him now <laughs> without <laughs> without uh, reservation, has come out and said that he basically rescinded the last statement, saying that well he definitely thinks of himself as as a man and he's not gay and all these other things, <laughs> which of course I guess people identity don't... and gender identity are different things anyway. But uh, the article basically said that he didn't really understand what gender fluid meant. And that when he read about what it meant, he's said, that's not who I am. Okay. So, so, so he was talking more about the internal anima animus that we all have regardless of our gender identity or expression. I think that everybody has yes, I think that... both of those in them. Right. I mean, that right. that's, <laughs> so I'm now I need clarification. Yeah, I think it's like, we're sort of like yin yang or something or we're, we, ha you know, we yeah. have different aspects to ourselves and, yeah. um, you know, many... what? it, it seems to me too. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, that people are thinking about, Oh, I have aspects of myself that are considered more masculine or more feminine. And it really has to do with why is such a thing considered masculine or feminine? There's more fluidity to that, you know, like. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's definitely something that we can all think about. But there is a difference, at least in my experience, between questioning why something is considered one thing or the other in society yeah. and having sort of like a, a real inner sense of who you are as a, as a being, which may or may mm -hmm. not match what people assume you to be. And I think that at least for me, that's where really using a, a new term for gender identity comes in. So, okay. I, you know, but I, so I don't know what to think about Billy D here. It's uh, I know that sometimes people get so much backlash that they find it easier to just kind of retreat back into a closet, you know? It could be that maybe his, you know, the, the language that is being used currently to describe gender is not, and he did say in this, this sort of follow-up article that he wasn't familiar with that term, gender fluidity, so maybe he didn't understand what was being talked about or something. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I feel bad. I, I'm always happy when someone comes out, so I'm a little bit dismayed when they go back in the closet, but, but that's, that's what, that's what... I mean, that... if he needed to do that to to calm people down and maintain his position, I can understand why he would want to do that. So I would, I, I do too, and I also when that is it's the case, that makes me sad. It's disappointing <laughs> because we, the more of us who can speak up, the better for everyone. You know. So. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm more disappointed in if it was like a. a major negative reaction from his fan base that's more what i would be disappointed yeah in. that would yeah. be sad i yeah. could i didn't read any any responses but i could certainly imagine that they were not great yeah <laughs> from from some people yeah and who knows who knows how disney reacted to that either so mm. oh yeah that's know, disney. disney seems to have a decided preference for their their people to to not be controversial mm -hmm. oh yeah they like to control everything yeah so it might have something to do with that too who knows we not us right. so. <laughs> uh, oh well
Well, I am here speaking with Reed Mahalko, sex and relationship educator um, at, in Portland. Is that right? Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Very cool. And uh, why don't you give yourself a little brief intro? Oh, well, um, thanks for having me on your show, Robin. Absolutely. This is exciting. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, um, Reed Mahalko is my name and Sex Geekery is my game. Uh, read about sex, R-E-I-D about sex.com is my main website. And I have been called America's favorite sex geek. I have been called the Tom Hanks of sex education. Um, not sure what that means other than <laughs> makes me want to like, like spank a volleyball or a person's butt and just yell Wilson. Um, for those of you who are, uh, fans of, a, of an obscure movie reference with Tom Hanks. Got it. I. <laughs> I'm known to use a lot of humor um, and some interesting ideas and frameworks to try to get people to understand how much shame holds us back from really having the difficult conversations that we need to have to have healthy relationships and, you know, conversations about not being perfect. Um, more recently, you know, conversations around accountability and how to address harm when people feel harmed by you. The Me Too movement in 2018 um, had, you know, some of my peers and colleagues in the sex ed world feel courageous enough to come forward and share with me stuff they hadn't been telling me about things they thought I could do better in ways that they felt harmed. And I take that stuff very seriously. was lucky enough to have friends and colleagues in and around the restorative justice movement and transformational justice movement. And so I just stepped down from teaching for a year and initiated with lots of support, a restorative justice-based accountability process that we made very public. And there's a blog with resources and things like that. One, because I felt like I needed to step up and try to do better and figure out and encourage people to come forward and share what they thought I could be doing better and where I fucked up. And also just you know, now, a year later, year and a half later, um, looking back on the process, like realizing that so many of us just don't have any way to address harm other than like this, you know, kids in a sandbox version of you give the person back their truck or their sand pail or whatever, you say you're sorry, and then you do some like awkward hug. And then you're supposed to go back to playing like nothing, like everything was fine. Um, and in an adult world where we're trying to come up with better ways of negotiating consent and sexual situations and power differentials and, and all the things that, you know, a lot of us are trying to do as activists and just as like caring human beings, a lot of, a lot of us just don't have better ways to show up other than like posting, I'm sorry on Facebook. Um, and then a lot of us have like shitty bad habits for responding to when people feel harmed um, and call out culture and, and call in culture and uh, disposability politics versus indispensability politics. Like there's a lot of interesting things that are going on in the fringes of activist culture that I'm, you know, I'm passionate about and I, I hope to help people find or point people towards the people who know more than I do. Um, and, you know, what I do when 
when I am getting things right is help people feel more confident and competent around sex and intimacy. Um, and hopefully try to make those conversations as, as fun and as playful as we hope sex should be while understanding that there's a lot of power dynamics and a lot of power um, and responsibility in being adults and being sexual. Thank you so much for that. I really, I'm glad you brought all of that up and I'm really glad to have been witness to you know the process you've been going through over the last year and mm. also um i'm really glad you're back and doing this um yeah. so many Thanks. many other conversations but yeah. today it is show number 69 on the leftscape <laughs> oh my goodness how auspicious how, how auspicious, auspicious. How perfect. why did why did you think of me <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Awkward silence. Awkward silence. I would say that Reed and I know each other very well for a long time, and these so, topics are not, these aren't strange topics to us, I would say. It's not the first time we've met. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know, um, the first thing I want to ask really is, I can remember a time when I think oral sex was much more of a taboo it was like considered things that dirty people do or mm. or so, almost like auxiliary to so this is a podcast sex. did you say oral sex or oral sex i enjoyed both of those things but i okay. did say o-r <laughs> all right i'm just making sure i'm on the same page as you yes. please continue, uh -huh. please continue. Uh, yes so <laughs> so i just want to know you know so it was almost like and I think this is still true that penis and vagina is considered like that is what sex is to a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. and that oral and other things are more, uh, it's sort of beside the point or extra or something. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you have insight into the, how that's, those attitudes have been changing. Well, I mean, uh, you know, not to use a lot of lingo, but I'll use it anyway, like heteronormative, like culturally or Western culture um, prescribed um, for those of you listening in, I'm doing air quotes now with my fingers, but like the culturally approved versions of sex um, versus like what is shameful or denigrating um, with so much sexual shame and stigma in, in um, American culture. I won't speak for the rest of the planet, but like, why would you put your mouth on something dirty? Um, and however, like using your penis to penetrate a vagina to make babies, like that gets the big stamp of approval of God and religion and society and culture um, and done in the sanctimony of, of, you know, holy wedlock uh, for the purpose of creating m more, you know, Christians, or Jews or whatever, um, then that's, of course, that's, that's not dirty because God would never make it like that. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's mostly as an educator, it's just like helping people understand that culture is just, is just giving us lots of bad messaging usually. Um, and, you know, if you're going to blame anybody, blame culture and then learn 
learn enough literacy around culture and, and sex positivity and whatnot so that you can start to deconstruct things and then start to also give yourself permission to like what you like and not like what you don't like. Because American overachievingness has seeped into the bedroom now. So, you know, you kind of get this double whammy of I'm not supposed to, um, you know, go down on you because that's shameful. And I'm especially not supposed to do it unless we're married. So that's sinful. Um, and I'm supposed to be the self-actualized, you know, sex positive feminist. You know, all bodies are beautiful and all body parts are beautiful. Uh, human being who can, you know, who knows where the clit is and where the frenulum is and can make, you know, anyone come, you know, at the drop of a hat. So how come I don't like eating you out or, you know, blowing you? I must be broken. And so like, mm -hmm. you just get like this double, triple, quadruple whammy of brokenness and I'm must be a horrible person. Mm -hmm. um, so I like, I think all those things are happening for people all at once. And we really need to start unpacking it. Um, so like oral sex is great. And you're also allowed not to like it. Mm -hmm. And that's great too. Like you're allowed to have your preferences, but like that's, that's like graduate level literacy around all the things. Right. Um, and a lot of people, you know, it's like we're asking people to, to be adults, but they're at like a fourth grade reading level or less um, mm -hmm. when it comes to how culture fucks with us, how, you know, sex negative the world at large is, and also like, like so many of us don't even know our own bodies, let alone somebody else's body. Yeah. So that, that seemed like a very deep answer to a simple question. So I feel like now I feel I'm self-conscious. That's no, it's actually good. We were having a conversation, which I think is on our Patreon uh, feed about uh, getting to getting to understand your own body and mm -hmm. and and self, you know, self-expression and self-understanding and sort of getting through all that stuff. And, so that is Rob, something we were talking about. Robin, where do I find your Patreon feed? Oh, as a matter of fact, you could find it at uh, patreon.com slash leftscape. Oh, and there will so definitely much. be uh, there will definitely be a link on the on the, the page. So um, I'll, I'll also just shout out um, to for people who want to find the blog about my accountability process. You can go to tiny URL, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L.com forward slash read R-E-I-D accountability. Um, I didn't I forgot to mention that. And I like to try to point people to those resources. So very thanks. good. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So um, in terms of what you teach, I mean, a lot of it is about understanding the shame that we have and, and getting to getting to understand yourself and, and love yourself and know what you want and ask mm -hmm. for what you want, all those sorts of things. But I think you also do talk about some techniques and things like that. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering what you teach currently about like your approach to oral and and what people can do or what they can learn or what people don't know yeah. about yeah so i teach i teach a lot of different workshops um i the joke is i'm a dildo for hire so <laughs> so you know put me where you need me um and i get a lot of requests from different communities and when i teach oral sex um 
I have a workshop called uh, Blowjob Grad School. And then, um, you know, I'll come in and co-teach a lot of other classes for folks. And I have an online class called Sex 10X. Um, and, and also there's another class called Rough Sex for Nice Folks. And so I kind of like grabbing from a bunch of different pieces that I teach through those classes around oral sex and, and feeling confident and competent at how to understand bodies and then how to create pleasure. The big pieces around oral are really um, understanding that there's physical sensation that turns people on and kind of gets you aroused or gets your, your partner or partners aroused. Uh, and more like tingly, tingly, squirmy, squirmy, heavy breathing, heavy breathing. And then there's also what's erotic and what's getting your partner or yourself, getting your brain off. Like what's exciting your brain erotically and creating pleasure, um, not through your senses, but through your thinking, which you know ends up getting you squirmy, squirmy, tingly, tingly, heavy breathing, heavy breathing. And like starting there so that people can start to like just think about sex from the positions of you've got your genitals and then you also have you know the largest erotic organ in your body which is your brain um and that helps me kind of set up like talking about shame and how we hold ourselves back and sometimes you know we're turned on by what we're ashamed of and all those you know cross messaging and then it's like okay so now let's get into the pelvis and start talking about, you know, specifically what we talk about when we, when we think sex is, is the genitals, you know, but we can also talk about like nipples and boobs and chests as well. And erogenous zones, like we'll get there, but let's just go through basic understandings of how pleasure works for people, uh, around their pelvis, no matter what you're packing. And I just love helping people think about pleasure and how to create sensation that's arousing for bodies because once you learn how to think in vulva and vagina vulva being the sex geek uh term for the outside vagina being you know, everything that's on the inside and and when you can start thinking about how the vulva works and the clitoral structure and the erectile tissue underneath the surface because the clit is like the tip of the iceberg to as much erectile tissue as there is in a penis, there is uh, in the clitoral uh, erectile tissue system, you just don't see it. Um, once you can think in vulva and vagina, you're like, oh, okay, now I kind of understand what's going on. And similarly to understand like how penises work and the erectile tissue. And then for those of us who are penis owners, like understanding how balls work <laughs> because how you treat my penis, if you're treating it like this delicate, piece of blown glass that could, you know, hot fracture any glass. moment. <laughs> hot blown glass. No, that's good. <laughs> um, if you're too delicate with my penis, mostly what you're signaling is that you think it's delicate, which means you don't understand my balls and nuts is where the pain can happen. Um, and so like when you can start to signal to the people that you're playing with, like I kind of know my way around your genitals, it allows the owner of those genitals often to, to relax and really receive more pleasure. And so now we've got our foot in the door of like, okay, so how do these things work? The basic 
if you had to learn one thing about genitals, period, um, and I'll make it two things because it's two for one day here uh, at Leftscape. <laughs> um, lube, always use lubrication. Always when you're touching the actual genitals, like like don't pour lube on somebody's jeans because you're because you're not there yet. But like when you're getting to touch skin, use lube regardless of if it's a penis or a vulva because it enhances sensation so much. And then the other piece that that I would add to it is start slow. No matter how frenetic and humpy humpy the actual person is, try to slow down so that one, you, the, the person who's doing the touching, um, you can kind of get into your own body, which will make you a better listener of somebody else's body. Um, and, and those two things help so much because we get so much mixed messaging and no literacy education around pornography. And porn is an entertainment medium. It is not uh, an instructional medium. So, you know, we know that we're not supposed to go see the Fast and the Furious and then peel out of the movie lot. Like we were taught, don't, don't drive like Vin Diesel. What we weren't taught was don't fuck like a porn star. So what ends up happening is people are looking to porn to learn how to be better lovers and trying to look at porn to be a better lover is like trying to watch the Fast and the Furious to become a better driver. Porn for the most part is an, is an entertainment medium and needs to look active. And so cunnilingus. Oh my God. Porn, Don't learn how to do it from that. Yeah. <laughs> because terrible. it needs to look visual and right. real cunnilingus like, like good cunnilingus doesn't look super active because your face for the most part is buried in the vulva and you're kind of using your face to hump the vulva because you understand that there's all this erectile tissue underneath that you want to rock and grind against um, gently at first and more forcefully as the person grinds back um, because you want to be engaging all that erectile tissue. And you, you're using your mouth to kind of lock on to where the clit's at so that then you can play with and stroke and stimulate the clit in ways with your tongue while you're also humping the vulva with your face and maybe grabbing the ass or stroking the hips or, or the boobs or the whatevers. And, and you're doing all that trying to listen to the other person's body to figure out if what you're doing is creating more pleasure for them or if you're moving further away from pleasure. So like all those things are there. Um, and you know, what's so interesting is, is about oral sex. Like when you can see somebody actually showing you, you know, whether it's on fruit or a puppet um, or on an actual body where it's appropriate for like explicit show and tell sex education, there's a lot more of like an aha. You're like, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't look like porn. Um, now with blowjobs, it's a, it's a little bit different because sometimes blowjobs do look like porn. Um, but there's a lot of times where playing with penises orally, um, 
needs to be more gentle and slow and in, also include flaccid penises like blowjobs and licking and oral sex and, and hand sex on flaccid penises is really important and healing for those of us who are penis owners because we're for the most part raised that, you know, when it comes to sex, like we are supposed to always be hard. Um, and that somehow if we're not hard, we have, we're not a man or we, we, you know, we're not sexual. Um, we not not showing our prowess. Um, so like destigmatizing flaccid penises and helping penis owners learn that like, there's a lot of pleasure to be had um, when our penises are flaccid allows us to experience and receive more pleasure when our penises are hard um, and allows us like this entire range of pleasure in a similar way to with vulvas and vaginas, like we're misled to believe that, that pleasure only comes from penetration. And when you realize that like there's all these nerve endings on the outside of the vulva and the labia and all these fun things that you can do to create yearning and wanting because you're not penetrating, um, like you just don't tongue fuck the pussy. Um, there's a time and a place for that. But like there's all these things that can enhance pleasure for the for the vulva and the vagina owner when you're not making it about pe penetration. And this is just stuff that we don't talk about um at all or it's talked about in very small areas of the internet and the workshop here and there um and it's not like common conversation around the water cooler uh at work and i'm not saying it would be appropriate there but a lot of people aren't experiencing shame when they're talking about gardening or you know hey how did you add 50 yards to your golf you know drive um, we're not really sharing skill sets when it comes to like, Hey, you know, how do you drive your partner crazy, you know, so that they just like, can't wait to, you know, to be penetrated or to, you know, for you to put their balls in your mouth. Like, how do you do that? Like, we just don't talk about that openly. And so there's just not a lot of skill set sharing and you have to go and find specific areas and, and books and people to, um, to learn these conversations and these skill sets. One of the things that I still, and I think I'm pretty communicative around sex, but there are moments when I feel less ready to just to say what I want, because I think there's this, there's this background tape that still runs that like some people, this person, especially someone, well, definitely someone new to me will be, offended if I tell them they should move their head a little bit to this side or that side or something mm -hmm. like that. And yeah. I have to work through that process to be like, no, I think it makes it better when we can express like, this is, this is really what I like, or I'm ready for this now or something, you know? So yeah. that is, it's a process. It's always learning. No, it's, um, it's, there are things that get normalized in culture that we don't notice because they're normalized and most people don't feel shame. Um, when you get in the car and, and your friend gets in the car and then you ask your friend to adjust the side view mirror, like no one freaks out. Right. <laughs> right. And, but cause you know how important it is for you to be able to see when you're backing up, like in a, wouldn't it be great you know, and your friend's more than willing to help out. They're not like, oh my God, 
Like, how dare you tell me to adjust the side view mirror? And and wouldn't it be nice if if you could just tell your lover, like, hey, could you, you know, my left labia, could you just like lick it a little bit more? You know, like if you just could you adjust the angle? Yeah, yeah. You know, of your face. And then for us to be like, thank you so much for for helping me have a better experience with you. Um, I'm sure there's a driving joke in there somewhere, but yeah. like we, we appreciate the person wanting to create a good experience and deliver us safely to our destination, whatever that may be. There you go. And, and that is true. And I, and I do, um, well, the kind of person that where I can become feeling comfortable when I can feel comfortable saying that and who receives that message well is someone that I'm going to have a better time with, you know, so yeah. that's good to. And, to, and, to and also as the driver, as the person behind the wheel, um, you don't feel most, I would imagine most of us don't feel ashamed asking our friend to adjust the mirror, mm-hmm. you know? So like, again, like, but that's because like, that's normalized now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not normalized in sex. And like I teach it, I've been teaching this stuff for more than a decade and I still don't speak up immediately in bed when I notice something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I say that just to let people know, like we're all human. This is not about being human, but it's really about turnaround time. It's like, how quickly do you notice? Oh, like that blowjob's a little toothy um, or, oh, you know what? That's a little too much stimulation on my clit. And, and then, and then you're like, you're lying there being like, oh, I, if I say the wrong thing, are they going to take it personally? I'm going to hurt their feelings. Are they never going to lick my pussy again? Like, you know, what if I ruin the moment? And then like, you know, ideally on a good day that lasts about 10 seconds. And then you ask, and on a great day, you notice it and you ask almost immediately. Um, and then hopefully we're with lovers who like pop their head up and they're like, thank you so much for telling me that. Like, that's great. And then we just go, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> exactly. So here's a question about, you know, brains and genitals and that whole system. So with 69, one of the things that I want, wonder about is, does it work for most people or does it sound better than it is as I you know I've definitely have had experiences where it's wonderful I often mm-hmm. sometimes feel like I want to fully receive or fully give and sometimes mm-hmm. when you're doing both at the same time it's it's pleasant but it's not it's usually not my favorite way to do those things yeah so I'm yeah. wondering if you have any thoughts about well that. I mean I I think everyone should go out and get more data for themselves. Um, <laughs> I, I do think certain things, um, well, I mean, we're back to your brain versus right. your sensation, right? So what's erotic versus what's, what's actually sensorily turning you on. Um, I like 69 because, you know, and I love it when I'm on the bottom because I love a person's body weight on me because that gets me more in my body and then i've got like your your genitals like in my face and i'm visually i'm turned on by that um and you know every once in a while 
it's just it's so hot and so erotic that even if it feels really complicated, like there's too many things going on, it's just so fucking hot. Um, and, you know, and that's even more exciting when the person who's going down on me in the 69 is just like in it to win it. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, like they're going for it. And I'm like, that's going to make me go for it. Rawr! You know, and so I think in those moments, the turn on is so great that it's it's less about the actual sensation, but mm. the sensations adding to it. So the feedback um, loop of the brain is yeah, really right. Really, like it's, yeah, it's yeah. boosting it. It's kicking the can down the road of the 69. And I think other things is like we think a 69 has to be a certain way. Like if you just think of a 69 as the position, not the performance. So I've enjoyed many 69s where the person's really not blowing me. Their face is just laying on my cock while I eat them out. And they're like backing up onto my face and like really getting into it. I count that as a 69, everyone. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm writing in my journal, had a great 69. Um, <laughs> whereas I think we think a 69 has to be that everyone's in motion and no one can take a break. And, you know, again, like now culture's fucking with us. So, you know, so people just don't think of 69s as I'm going to sit on your face and give you a hand job. I, that's a 69. I'm sorry. Like, it's a 69 in my book. So does it have to be oral sex to technically count? And now we're in this weird, does it technically count place? Which just and does doesn't it matter, really... right? That's kind yeah, of ridiculous like, at that point, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, maybe it matters for you to be able to say authentically and check off your bucket list. I have met my requirements for this bucket list box to be checked off. <laughs> I get that some people, that technicalities are important. And I think technicalities are hot if that is what's getting your brain off, right? It doesn't count unless X, Y, Z. I'm like, great, like rock with that. But don't set that up as a point of failure. Like applaud that you're even debating whether you can check this thing off your bucket list or not. Like, I think we're already so far, like we're light years ahead of where we all thought we'd be in seventh grade that like just enjoy that you have arrived some kind generous human soul has agreed to sh to share their genitals with you and <laughs> and have fun and and spend more time figuring out how to have fun together than whether this counts mm -hmm. that is great advice <laughs> thank you so we're going to wrap this conversation up but i just want to know do you have any other parting thoughts and upcoming events things you're doing places you'll yeah be? i mean there's i mean i'm on the road a lot i love touring and and meeting people all over uh the world i'm getting to teach in europe more these days um which is just really fun because you know consent culture is different when you when you're outside of america um, in like really interesting ways, like, um, and, and pleasure and shame, like they're just different and the same in, in different cultures. So that's feels like a, a privilege to be able to, to talk to people in other parts of the planet, you know, about blowjobs. Like it's just hilarious and fun. <laughs> and I get to be the zany, uh, American, 
the so I mean the easiest thing is for people to go to readaboutsex.com forward slash calendar, like click on my calendar button. And I'll I do my best to keep that list updated as to where I am and how to get tickets to things. Um, I also, you know, run a couple of business events every year for sex positive professionals and educators who want to get together and work on business skill sets and how to reach more people um, and just, you know, pay our rent doing this because this is important work, but nobody ever got into sex ed to get rich. Like it's just, you know, that's not, we're not known to be a cash cow industry. Um, but it's like, how do you help? How do we help each other, you know, be sustainable and, and, and get to teach and speak um, about pleasure is kind of like almost like it's an art form, um, but it's also an industry. Um, so yeah, go, go to my calendar. Uh, I'm teaching in lots of different places, depending on you know when when people are listening to this, um, and uh, and follow me on social media at Read About Sex. Um, and again, like I'm, I've got all different kinds of things. Uh, if you want to learn more about sex, I have a, a non nudity based online course called Sex 10X. And you can go to my website and just do in the search bar Sex 10X. Um, I have communication skill set classes and things like that. Like it's it's a lot of different things. Um, and I'm really grateful that I get to do this for uh, part of my living and answer my calling. And, and I'm grateful for you, Robin, for conversations like this and your friendship. Absolutely, I'm grateful to know you. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you, Reed. You're welcome. Thank you, Robin. And thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Want to add some alternative holiday music to your playlist to help keep you in the Whamageddon game? I've got some. Hare Krishna Christmas is a holly jolly parody that celebrates the joy of blending holiday traditions and almost had a holiday is proof that just because your seasonal plans don't quite work out doesn't mean you can't get a happy little pop tune out of it. Go to RobinRenee.com and click on music to download Hare Krishna Christmas and almost had a holiday. And if you'd like to give the gift of peace this season, my acoustic Kirtan chant CD, this, plus a download code for my mantra pop album, Live Devotion, are available together for only $15. Go to robinrenee.com and click contact to put in your request. Many thanks for your support all year and happy holidays, one and all. Wendy here to tell you about my coloring book special offer. You can purchase all three of my coloring books for just $35. That's 30% less than if you purchased each book separately. This deal includes The Wendala Coloring Book, Volumes 1 and 2, and Harlequin and Other Fantasies, Meditative Coloring for Grown-Ups. That's 50 individual pieces to color. Go to wendycards.etsy.com. That's Wendy Cards with a Z, where the shipping is always free. Hello. We at The Leftscape would like to thank everyone who has reached out with sympathy and support for Mary after the recent passing of her husband, Alan Seamock. Friends of Mary and Alan's began a GoFundMe page to help pay the enormous bills for Alan's hospital stay. 
That GoFundMe is still open for those who would like to help Mary with all the expenses associated with this very difficult time. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at bit.ly slash helpallen. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash helpallen. Thank you. Why are the holidays awesome? Uh, people complain about them a lot, but there must be some reason why we continue to do this all these centuries. Uh, <laughs> some reason why we celebrate this time of year. Why do you think that is? And what is awesome about it? I really like choosing the events I go to and having something, you know, so like really sort of being intentional about the people I want to be with and and. I get to do that around this time of year, um, at least for some, for most, yeah, for most of the things I do. So I'm, I'm fortunate in that way. And I really love having something to celebrate in, in winter because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me. I'm such a beach person that I'm like, uh, I just get sort of inward and I, lo I love to be outside when it's warm and all these things. And I really find that, um, bringing light into the space and doing all the rituals that involve light when they're, that's a commonality. I think I just, it's warming. And um, I noticed that the times that I've used to feel more depressed in the winter um, is much less now that I'm, you know, celebrating Yule with you guys and doing things more in the winter months. So that helps. And I think that's why, I think that's why we do this as a species actually it seems mm. to be part of it. Yeah. I'm trying to think about what I like about the winter holidays and it's getting harder. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I do like when I can get to, when I can surround myself with the people that I want to be around. I also find this time of year a good place for renewal, uh, recharging the batteries. Mm. Uh, I kind of tend to not want to gather with a lot of people during this time of year, um, especially in the uh, period between Yule or Christmas and the New Year and New Year's that like 10 days or whatever it is. And that's traditionally for me, that's been when work actually doesn't even like I've been in jobs where they're not open during that time. So, you know, you're, you're home and, and I appreciate that a lot because I can recharge the batteries and, and then also start planning for the next year. That's kind of what December is for me is, is sort of a, a look back and make plans for the future kind of month. I, I do like the fact that after Yule, the days will start getting longer, even though you won't really notice it until in bulk, but you know, uh, that's, uh, Groundhog Day for those of you who are not following a Celtic pagan path. Um, I definitely talked about that just recently, that that's sort of my, that's the hidden gem of winter for me. Yes, that's like my Groundhog favorite Day? holiday. Yeah. What's that, Mary? Groundhog Day is your favorite holiday? Oh, no, I was just saying that the, the day's getting longer is like a hidden gem for uh, me. Yes, oh, that, yeah. That I, I am know that definitely looking back. forward to that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Waking up in the dark is no never any fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like this morning. It was almost impossible for me to get out of bed before the sun came up. But I do. I'm. I'm actually hoping that I will get a house henge this year. Uh, it, it hasn't happened every year because if there's clouds on the horizon, it doesn't work. Uh, and I will explain that in in just right now. Um, my house is situated in such a way that on the winter solstice, once the sun rises above the high rise apartment down the street from me and just comes up over the, um, the big box, I think where the elevator is, uh, it, it, my bedroom is on the third floor of my house. And when the sun just passes up that thing, it comes in my front window and shoots directly out my back window while missing a wall. Usually the sunlight is on this wall at every other time of the year. So it just clears the wall, which is like the demarcation for the solstice now. It's like so it's it's like this house was like like designed to do that. And it it's uh I call it house hinge. And, like <laughs> and it's it's quite spectacular when there's no clouds, but that's um I'm it's, it seems to be one or two years out of every 10. So it's like 20% of the day of the years that I get that. And I, I would love to have people over to witness it with me, but it's so iffy. Uh, I want to make people sit vigil overnight and then like not have it happen. So, well, instead of <laughs> staying overnight, maybe we could just come at three o'clock in the morning or. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I did live stream it one year and I might do it again this year. I don't know. I'll have to see what the weather is. Um, yeah. But if it is, if it is going to happen, I'll, I'll live stream again. That would be fun. Yeah. yeah. I think what I like about the holidays, it's not necessarily, well, it's all the things that you guys have said, but also there are different times during the year when we're exposed to our family that it's kind of like obligatory. You have to show up to something, but, but there's something about the holidays that when I'm with my family, we, we just have more fun. We have certain traditions where we play things or something. And, uh, and it seems like we pick up the same conversation we were having the year before and and there's running gags and running jokes and uh that's that's what i enjoy about the holiday <laughs> that's cool what are some of the games you play or well they play this game and i know everybody hates this game but my family <laughs> plays it so well where everybody brings a gift right and the gifts are wrapped up uh, and people People pick <laughs> cards to see who gets to pick a gift first. And the person can pick a gift and unwrap it. And then the next person picks a, can pick a gift and unwrap it. Or they can take the gift of the first person if they like that better. And then that first person has to pick another gift. So eventually people are taking each other's gifts and... It's just so goofy that there's people in my family that haven't gotten the gist of this game is that they figure out who wants what and make sure they never get it. 
And so if there's, <laughs> I have this one sister. Who this loves, is why I don't like this game. <laughs> and that's why it's so fun. Oh, my, one, my one sister loves wolves. So anything like a t-shirt with a wolf on it, she'd love it. So somebody makes sure that they make that a gift because Mickey will like that one. And so then everybody, <laughs> when they see that one, they go, oh, a t-shirt with a wolf. I have to have that. And Mickey's going, oh, no, I wanted it. Or, well, how many times can you what steal from make? one person? Uh, what there's no rules? limit. But we always make sure that she gets it in the end. That's the challenge is to see how she's going to get it in the end. Okay. That, well, that's kind of fun if you if you make it work out well finally yeah, i don't know not, like this ceiling this sounds like <laughs> this sounds cool. like some of the psychological weird games that my family used to do this is this is my my family that my parents are both dead now so i don't get together with any of these people ever so i haven't seen them in years but we used to play these weird games you know like describe this person using household items you know oh wow yeah it, it, it's it, it's one of my cousins would come up with this kind of game and there would always be this this thing and and someone would say and and the it would always end up in tears for somebody and it, it was like why are we well doing you guys this? play too cutthroat then well, we don't do gift stealing, but you know, <laughs> um, I, I I experienced that game in uh, one of my quilt guilds, uh, but it was only. But we had the rule that you could only steal once. You could only steal one item one time. Right. So I've heard the game yeah. work that. You way know, because otherwise, you know, because then otherwise it would just turn into this free Chaos. fall and knives yes. knives would be that drawn fun yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> so i have played the game so I, my family my immediate family growing up was very small so i didn't have like game playing like that quite you know like I, if we got some it could be like a particular board game or something but there was no tradition like that but i have done the gift stealing thing at um one of our friends hanukkah parties <laughs> Which is which was it's cool. I, I I tend to rather just not do the stealing aspect, but but you know, but it's okay. But I've I've done I have experienced that. But I really like have doing Hanukkah, and I haven't really been. I feel like I need to be invited to something to do it. Well, I have I have lit the I've lit the candles on my own actually, and I do that sometimes. But it's nice to do that with friends, and mm. I feel sort of. Um, I don't know. I guess it's a it's a recast. I mean, I do I do know the story, and but uh, it's also kind of a recast experience for me because it's about the increasing light of the season, and not so much about pagans defiling the temple <laughs> or anything like that. You know, so it's it's interesting. But I but I do enjoy that holiday, and it's nice to, to share. They were it. the Pharisees that defiled the temple. But I guess they were Jews. Were the Pharisees considered pagans? I don't know. We didn't Jews. call them pagans. Yeah, I've heard. That, I've heard the term being well. I guess the term is not used in that in the tradition either. So I'm totally not traditional <laughs> with this. But no, that is one of the ways. Yeah, because described because it's like you get socks. Pharisees or Philistines. Socks and socks. Eight days of socks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I teasing. Could use some socks. 
Yeah. Well, he gave away a bunch of socks just last those, recently. Those, yeah, those <laughs> socks didn't fit me. Yeah, but they're uh, nice. They're nice socks. But uh, oh, good. I got I'm glad socks. you like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like that. And for me, the big holiday has always been New Year's Eve, actually. Mm. And I mean, in terms of my recreation of holidays, I've definitely used to have a big Christmas kind of thing um, growing up, which I don't really do at all for the most part now. Although, well, let me backtrack because there is one <laughs> Christmas tradition that I have, which doesn't happen on any particular day, but it happens when it when it works out. Now, um, I do get together with a former partner and his son and their family, whoever of his family shows up. Um, and that feels, that is a thing that really feels like home to me hmm. because it feels very um, like we're family and there's a connection that's been for decades, you know? So that's, that's cool. So that has to do with when Doc is coming home and when his band is off the road and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So it usually <laughs> used to be Christmas Eve. Um, I think it's going to be later this year. But that's a fun, very meaningful thing for me. Mm -hmm. And um, and some of the foods, like, okay, so <laughs> some of the food is, well, now I'm doing more vegan stuff because um, there's someone else who comes to who's definitely vegan so I do vegan cooking and stuff but some of the things that my friend Kevin's food traditions of his family I've gotten to know about and like the, he does this one thing that's like peanut butter stuffed celery with green olives on it I've oh, seen that, sounds that. good yeah it sounded it didn't sound good celery. to me when I first what's that I've had peanut butter stuffed celery, but not with green olives. So right. I never had it. With, well, the first time I saw that, I was like, what the hell is this? This is disgusting. <laughs> and then I tried and I was like, oh, my God, it's amazing. Like, I really look forward to it every year. And it's like one of those weird little things. So we used to do um, cream cheese stuffed celery. That was our holiday thing. I remember mm. I we used to do that. Yeah. I'm not um, a fan of peanut butter. So it's uh, I'm not eating the other thing. So. Okay. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. But so the olives, they're green olives. Yeah. Like green pimento? olives with pimento, just little slices they, like on top of the. They're sliced up and, and yeah. dotted on. The, that sounds terrific. It's I'm really good. It. And it's it's one of those very simple holiday things that I I just really like all the time. So it's <laughs> kind of cool. And that, those are the things I think I appreciate too. Like the small little, like certain ornaments that I have. And I do decorate for the holidays things that I've had for years and years or something that someone gave me and I put that on the tree or something like that. And I like that kind of visual, it's like a visual comfort, I think. Wendy, you know. do you put up a tree? Not this year. No? Afraid no. of cats? No. Well, one of my cats actually, when I, we, when the tree comes in the house, she starts wheezing and coughing and it stops when the tree is gone. So that kind of tells me that she's allergic or she has some other respiratory issue associated with the tree. And it's like, I don't need it in the house. If I could find the box that I think never moved out of the last house we were in 11 years ago that had all of the ornaments that me and my young child had made, I guess it would be 20 years ago now. Some of them, like, I remember we did this big plastic thing with 2000 on it for the millennium and and um and they're all gone and it's like i did a <laughs> i did i did this sculpy head and bust of like the green man 
and it and it everybody calls it young jesus or something because it's he's the guy with a beard and he's hanging on a tree and i really wish i would love to if i find that box of stuff i would put up a tree but it's like it's it's been mia since we've moved so i think it might have got left at the old house Mm. and i'm really not thrilled about that i mean maybe when if and when i move out of here my my heirs after i die and they're closing the place up they'll find the box of stuff but I have not seen it in 11 years. Robin, you said that there's certain uh, things you're planning to do. Is there something fun you're planning to do this year? Like go see something or? Um, no. The, the only other thing that I was thinking about is, well, um, we heard, uh, we talked to, with Mrs. Cuff uh, in the last episode and yeah. She, yeah. I had to think about it. Is that correct? I have to yeah, think the episode is which now. Yes. <laughs> and I I like to uh go over her house and, and get a small tree for her and help her put up her ornaments and things like oh. that. And that's a oh, fun that's, that's a fun tradition. Because my uh parents and I used to spend time with her and her husband and things like that, um around the holidays. So it's like a very long standing at least some at some point to do something together. So that's, that's something cool. I'm looking forward to. So that's really old school to have neighbors that you've lived next door to for like your whole life. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really cool. And that's one of the things I don't I'm not so excited about having like put this way, like I, I like this how I like the land that I have that was my parents. I would like to be somewhere else a lot of the time I kind of feel like I need to be somewhere else it's 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 a it's a mixed blessing for me and Mm. it's kind of a challenge but that's one thing that I do like the continuity of knowing a couple people really all my life you know and that Mm. feels like something that is um it's it's fair you know yeah so so that's a cool thing and this I, I might just have a very quiet new year this year I think I'm prone to throw big parties, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm trust challenged in recent years. Hmm. There are fewer people that I'm certain I want to spend a lot of time around. And in some ways that feels very isolating and kind of scary, but in another way, I'm choosing very cautiously and which I think is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, and spending time with folks in different deciding where and how I want to spend time with people and I don't know who who I'm inviting in that much right now Mm. so I might be doing something very quiet like just doing some writing on New Year's Eve and maybe maybe something New Year's Day maybe I might invite some people over for something casual so that's different yeah Mm -hmm. or have or at least it's it's not been a it's been a very long time since I've done something like that but I don't know I could that could all change by the next time you talk to me but I think that's happening so it's um but as you said it it being a time of kind of reassessment and coming into a new place for the new year like I you know I do a lot of that at Samhain Mm. emotionally mentally but also I mean because the sort of secular tradition of the new year happens now, um, you know, in January, then that's, I have that too. So I'll be sort of figuring out what's next. Cool. 